When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? What? Picks you up, calms you down, it's the lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Good morning and welcome to College Football Monday, brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. I'm your host, Pete B, and this is a Sons of Saturday live show. We're fresh off a bye for Virginia Tech. I feel refreshed. Look at me. I got my hair done. No headphones, no hat. I'm feeling good on this Monday morning. I hope you all are feeling good as well. In this episode, just like every week, we're going to go over this past Saturday's action, and then I'm going to talk about the ACC title race, because as we'll as we'll get to, things are getting a little bit more dicey in the ACC. I'm going to go over that in detail, and as always, later in the show, I'm going to give you my playoff four. If you are watching on Twitter or X, hop over to YouTube. It helps us out. It's easier for engagement. Please come over to YouTube and hop in the chat, and we'll have an interactive experience on today's show. I would call this past Saturday, Scary Saturday. And yes, we are getting close to Halloween. It is spooky season, as the kids like to say. But it was Scary Saturday, especially for UNC, Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, and I think last but not least, uh, Bama, even Iowa. Iowa got more than a scare. So I'm going to call this Scary Saturday, and I'm actually going to start Week 8's recap with UVA upsetting number 10 UNC. UVA had been hapless. No FBS wins. Their only win was over William & Mary in a game they were trailing, but they upset number 10 UNC in Chapel Hill, 31-27. to And UNC seemed asleep early. And that's what can happen when you're feeling yourselves and you just beat Miami and you look like you're a shoe-in to go to the ACC title game. You got me and Robbie saying you might pick UNC against the spread in an Alabama game. Well, (laughs) that's evidence right there that UNC was going to come crashing back down to earth. They allowed UVA to grab an early lead. Mike Hollins had two first-quarter touchdowns for the Cavaliers. And the Heels did manage to get a field goal at the end of the second quarter and take a lead into the half. They increased the lead to 10 in the third, but UVA didn't give up. They got the lead in the fourth quarter on the pass from Musket to Washington, and they were able to basically hold on to the W due to some great defense. It was a classic letdown spot for UNC, but I don't want to take anything away from UVA because there were opportunities in this game for them to give it away. In fact, they kind of tried to give it away, but they got a key fourth down stop. They got the interception at the end of the game and they went for 228 yards on the ground. So I'm not sure exactly what happened to UVA during the bye week, but they figured something out in the run game because prior to this game, they were averaging 2.15 yards per carry against FBS teams. 
And this one, they went for 4.2. And like I said, racked up over 200 yards rushing. So that what we saw from UNC in that South Carolina game, what we've been seeing from their defense throughout the year, it kind of went out the window against UVA. And maybe Tony Elliott conjured up some of that old Clemson magic. I'm not exactly sure what happened here, but UVA was able to move the ball and May did not have a great game. The UVA defense came to play 347 yards for May, but just 50% completion. They dropped him back 48 times, only completed half of those passes, and he had that interception to end it. Tez Walker went for 146, but he was targeted too much. I mean, they they were only looking to throw to him, and Hampton had one over, over 100 yards rushing. So you have Tez Walker kind of going off. You have Hampton doing his thing on the ground. But UNC wasn't good on third or fourth down. I mentioned the key fourth down stop. And that was four of 15 combined on those two money downs. Let down spot, feeling themselves. I went through it. This opens the door for Duke, for Louisville, for Tech, maybe. Maybe even Miami. I'm going to talk about that ACC race later. It was UVA's first ever road win against an AP top 10 team. So there was some history that happened here. Good for UVA. I mean, I, I dislike both of these teams so very much. Uh, but hey, if if someone's going to win, I want to see that chaos. I want to see the top 10 team go down. And that's what we got. Great upset by UVA this past Saturday. Now let's get to some of the, some of the other big games. Ohio State beat Penn State 20 to 12 in a mostly boring game. I was hoping for... Some fireworks in this game. I, with these defenses, that was probably going to be hard. And that was obviously the case. Penn State couldn't do anything on offense. I mean, it was it was really atrocious. Six of their 12 points came at the very end with a meaningless t- touchdown. So Harrison Jr. went off 162 on 11 catches against one of the best defenses in the country. Like, uh, Penn State, they didn't play a great game but their defense got a fourth down stop early in the game. That's a really good unit. And Harrison going up against the good corners and the good linebackers on Penn state proved that he is still the best wide receiver in college football. Kyle McCord also continues to improve. Someone's throwing Harrison those balls and McCord looked good. 286, a touchdown despite being under a lot of pressure an 87.2 QBR McCord is now fifth in the country in QBR on the season. And so that that was the question for Ohio State. We know Ohio State's loaded all around the roster. If they got decent quarterback play out of McCord or anybody else, they were going to be a tough out this year, and it's certainly starting to look that way. All that said about McCord, Harrison, this was about Ohio State's defense. And Knowles has that side of the ball going. Aller was bad. They forced him into a lot of bad throws. He only had 4.5 yards per attempt. He was sacked four times by the Ohio State defense. And now we get the Michigan-Penn State game coming up. We, of course, get the game coming up at the end of the year. And that's going to decide the East. I, I watched these two teams go out at Penn State and Ohio State, and it seems to me that they're good teams. I don't know if they're on the same level as Michigan. Because what Michigan just did to Michigan State against a rival – that was a throttling. It was 28 nothing at halftime. It was 42 to nothing after three quarters. 
Michigan State couldn't do a damn thing against a team they very much dislike and they try to get up for. And I know they're dealing with a lot at Michigan State, but McCarthy was 21 for 27, four touchdowns, a 97.7 QBI, almost a perfect QBR. He's got the best QBR in the nation on the year. So I, I talked about McCord being really good. McCarthy's the best. And Jaden Daniels is just behind him at number two for LSU. He's ridiculous. I'll talk about him briefly later. Michigan State only had 182 total yards of offense, two turnovers. They were they just got dominated. And I still think I've had Michigan in my playoff four all year. I think I started with them at number two. I've had them at number one for a couple of weeks now. They are still my best team in the country. Oklahoma barely beat UCF. This was a game that was back and forth, and UCF had a two-point try at the end to tie this thing, and they just missed it. Uh, well, they didn't just miss it. It was kind of a kind of a crazy Gus Malzahn to a T play call. Despite the score, which was pretty pretty high-scoring game, neither QB had a super clean day. Uh, the Baker for UCF probably had the best day of any position player, 134 yards and two touchdowns for him. But Dylan Gabriel did manage to come out on top. That experience, again, pays off for Oklahoma. I don't know if they could do that with the, the backup quarterback that everyone, well, not everyone, but people have been calling for because he's so super talented. Gabriel threw, threw three touchdowns. Nick Anderson, five receptions for 105, and they survived. That's the name of the game. They survived a Gus Malzahn charge and good for Oklahoma because that was a dangerous spot in the year. And They actually interviewed Malzahn before the game on game day and they were talking to him. And at one point, like Reese asked him a question about the offense or something. And Malzahn just starts smiling. And Reese is like, Oh, he's got something today. And he did. He did. UCF brought it. Utah beat USC 34 32 on a last second field goal. Bryson Barnes shades of the miracle in Morgantown with Bryson Barnes that scramble up the sideline to get a, the field goal try at the end. That was a clutch play. They make the kick. Caleb Williams didn't throw a touchdown pass in this one. Only 256 yards, but he did rush one in. So I'll give him credit for that. Uh, I think the it was the running back. No, the wide receiver, Sione Vaki for Utah. 149 yards receiving, two touchdowns, 68 yards rushing. That kid was doing it all. Utah moved the ball well, and they had an eight-point lead midway through the fourth quarter before USC scored nine straight and went up by one point. But this, this, I mean, it was Barnes, man, 11 plays in under two minutes to get that Baker field goal. Really, really great drive by Utah. And USC is just cooked now. I mean, we've talked about their defense being a little bit off. They scored 32 points in this one, not a bad showing by the offense, but when Caleb Williams doesn't throw a TD, I'm, I'm, I'm asking some questions here. They've got Washington still, they've got Oregon still, and they've got UCLA. It is, I, I don't know why they're ranked. I'm going to get to my AP poll later. I don't know why USC is still ranked. They look, I don't care about the record. They look like crap. And now Utah has a shot at the conference title. Now, I don't think they have enough to beat both Oregon and Washington because they have to play both of those teams still. And they have to play at Arizona, who we've talked about, Noah Fafita, and how that team's coming on. So Utah's probably going to catch a loss. They might very well catch a loss this upcoming weekend, but they 
they have played really well. I mean, this is a Kyle Whittingham team without Cam Rising. They are finding ways to win games and good for them. Bama came back to beat Tennessee 34 to 20. It was an awesome second half uh, by them. They scored 20 in answer to end the game, including a scoop and score by Bama. That defense, they whatever adjustments were made, they really showed up. And Milrow and Milton, they were okay. But Milton just, I don't know, man. Like, he he's not Hendon Hooker. And everyone in Tennessee knows it. We all know it. And uh, good adjustments and good resilience by Bama to kind of weather that first half storm and then come back and just, I don't know if it was a crock potting per se, but it kind of felt that, that way. Tennessee's numbers in this game were good. They had more yards. They had more first downs than Bama, but they were worse on third down. And they had, I think, eight penalties to Bama's one. And that really was the difference in the game. It, it created some momentum. McClellan, he went for 115 and a touchdown on the ground. Bond, three for 77 and a touchdown. Bama keeps facing that adversity in games and throughout this year. They have the Texas loss, obviously, but they've had to kind of, this isn't a typical Bama team. And I'm not sure, maybe it's a typical Bama team from like the early 2010s. That's because lately they've had this great wide receiver play and really potent offenses. And this is more of that 2009, 2010 play defense and do enough on offense to win games. And that's what they've done. They've overcome that adversity adversity, and they've won games. And they are on a collision course with LSU in two weeks. And I cannot wait to see that game because it is defensive strength versus offensive strength. And LSU, they're, whew, man, they, they blanked Army 62 to nothing this week. That wasn't nice to the U.S. military. Come on, LSU. But dang, these two teams are going to go at it. And I may have something different in my my playoff four later in the show. Let's talk about our sponsor, McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. They bring you college football Monday every week, and we really do appreciate it. They're a locally owned and operated family business. That's what you get with McCoy's. Established in 1980, they offer full service, including major and minor repairs, brake work, oil changes, state inspections. They do it all. Fleet service, they can rebuild your transmission, rebuild your engine. They also sell tires. So get your tires over at McCoy's. They have optional pickup and delivery service of your car. If you just can't get there with work, that is clutch. Head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all your vehicle maintenance needs this fall and into this winter as it's getting colder out. Or give them a call. The number is right on the screen. 540-639-2933. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours. McCoy's is a name you can trust. Let's get to our ACC notes because it was kind of a funny week in the ACC. Clemson lost to Miami in double overtime. Cristobal wins an ACC home game without their starting QB, Tyler Van Dyke. Dabo's comments before the game, Dabo's comments after the game. I don't know what is going on in Dabo's head right now. He is, he's flailing, man. Like he hasn't adjusted well to modern college football the last couple of years and it's showing up big time. They're four and three now. And that was more of my takeaway from this game was about Clemson rather than Miami winning the game. It was just how, how untalented Clemson looks. There were so many opportunities where 
they needed to make a play and no one could do it. The final call in overtime, it might not be the best example of that, but it, nevertheless, it is an example. Klubnik probably should have handed it off to Shipley or somebody. He runs to the outside, gets taken out out of bounds. Game over. They would have had to get the two-point conversion after that anyway, but there's just such a lack of making plays for Clemson on both sides of the ball. Zero sacks for Clemson in this game. And we're talking about a new starting quarterback for Miami. That is wild. No sacks for a Clemson defense? How bad do they miss Venables? That is that is crazy to me and really stood out. Emery Williams played well for Miami. Klubnik, meanwhile, he was sacked five times. And he he wasn't great. Miami controlled the clock. They ran for 211 yards. They converted their third downs at a good clip. And they made plays in the fourth quarter. I mean... Miami looked like Clemson. Like they they were the ones that just, you know, ball control, made the plays, won in overtime. Like they looked like Clemson in this game. And now Clemson goes to Raleigh next. Then they're at home for Notre Dame. That's going to be tough. UNC, they still got to play. And of course, South Carolina at the end of the year. They've already got three losses. Could they have five losses at the end of this year? It's possible. It is possible. Let's talk about this Pitt game. I got I got this from Clark. How about that epic fail from Pitt? Gotta love it. Always love when Pitt goes down. 21 to 17, wake one at the very end. Redshirt sophomore Santino Marucci. This <laughs> this Italiano, he comes through, led them down the field in just 33 seconds, threw the TD pass to Cameron Height with seven seconds remaining to break the Deacons' three-game losing skid. Pitt had 414 yards of offense in this one, and they couldn't manage to get the win. Valu, like, he he played pretty good at quarterback. They won the turnover battle, two to nothing, and they still managed to lose. Just two sacks in the game against Week. And I talked about sacks with the Clemson game, but when does Pitt ever get just two sacks? Especially, Wake gave up 10 to Georgia Tech. They gave up seven to us just last week. So they must have been doing some different things on offense. I'm going to be honest. I didn't get a ton of eyes on this game. But I did I did watch the highlights and and checked out everything I could about it. Two sacks for Pitt just stood out to me. Uh, Wake ran a lot. And that's probably what they should have done against Virginia Tech. Because Claiborne is a good back. He had two touchdowns in this game. And they got an important win. I mean, Claus, that was a Clawson victory right there. And uh, I love to see it over Pitt. BC took it to Georgia Tech in the fourth quarter uh, specifically. They scored 21 points in the final frame to win 38-23 to in Atlanta. 563 yards of offense for BC. Castellanos was amazing. He's been amazing in the NLCS, and he was amazing for BC in this one. 255 yards passing, uh, over 100 yards rushing, including a 43-yard scamper for a score. This when we go up to Chestnut Hill and face this Castellanos character, it's it's a scary one. It that is a scary matchup. He has moves. The he had another really nice run, a tough run for a touchdown in this game. Uh, fifth highest QBR on the weekend for Castellanos. He can play, man. That kid can really play. Haynes King for Georgia Tech. He put up his own long rushing play for a touchdown. He went 71 yards, but he threw three interceptions and that was a that played a big part in this one. All right, let's move on to FSU and Duke cuz that was that was the best game on paper of the weekend for the ACC. Two ranked teams going at it and Duke was in this game. 
they were winning this game at different points. And, and, and really up until the fourth quarter, they, they had a chance to win. Florida State put up 21 points in the fourth quarter. I talked about BC doing it. Florida State did it to Duke. Riley Leonard started the game, and he tried to tough it out. But there was a sack at one point. And even like he got his face mask pulled, came up limping, and they had to pull him off uh, at one point. And, and really, he he maybe shouldn't have been playing at all. Uh, but I, I I really do appreciate the fact that some people in sports these days and college football these days try to tough out injuries and play it out. They do ran the ball well, 197 yards rushing on that Florida State defense. They got a pick six, which really helped keep them in the game. But Travis. He was good against that Mike Elko squad, 268 yards passing, 62 yards rushing, three total touchdowns for Jordan Travis, an 82.3 QBR. He was good. He was good. And he was the he had the most yards from scrimmage of any of their skill players, Jordan Travis did, because Coleman only had two touchdowns. Duke concentrated on him. Wilson, five, five, two touchdowns, two receptions. Wilson, five receptions for 58 yards, eight receptions for Bell but just 53 yards. So Travis would obviously led them in passing yards and he led them in, in yards from scrimmage with a healthy Leonard. I think Duke could have won this game. They probably still lose it, but they want that rematch at a neutral site. That's what is clear to me. Like get Riley Leonard as healthy as you can while still getting some wins. Cause there's, there's all the tough games on the schedule. I'm going to talk about the ACC race. I get, give me, give me a couple more minutes to get through the other notes here, but it was a big win for Florida state. And that essentially locks them in to the title game. They got at wake at Pitt, and then Miami at home. That's the one that could give them trouble. But I mean, we, we know Miami's not very good. So other notable games from the weekend before I get to AP poll and VT corner and VT corners where I'm going to talk about the ACC. Washington needed a pick six against Arizona state to take the lead and win 15 to seven at home. These letdown spots are real people. I mean, <laughs> Arizona state should not have been hanging with Washington and, uh, and they did, but Washington survived. That's why I'm calling it scary Saturday. Oregon beat Washington state. Uh, that, that wasn't as close, but maybe a little competitive early on cam Ward th- threw for 438 yards in a losing effort. Minnesota beat Iowa. This is typical Big Ten West. 12 to 10 knocks them out of the poll. Iowa's no longer in the AP poll. UCLA spanked Stanford. K-State spanked TCU 41 to 3. So TCU looked like a complete mess. Then last week, they go out, they score 41 on BYU and win. And this week, get absolutely crushed by K-State. And K-State and Oklahoma State are really starting to surge here. Oklahoma State got a crazy performance from Ollie Gordon. They're running back 282 rush yards, four touchdowns. He is he's one yard away in the yards per game from Jonathan Brooks for the best power five back. Gordon has come on so strong. He had 19 carries for the, through the first three games. He had 12 yards against South Alabama. And ever since that game in October, Gordon is averaging 195 yards per game rushing. They've found something with this running back, and Bedlam is in two weeks in Stillwater. That could be really, really fun. Mizzou took care of South Carolina. Shane and the boys are reeling right now. 
Texas had a dicey one against Houston. They held on to win 31-24. Ole Miss beat Auburn by one score. Another one-score win for, for Ole Miss. They moved to 6-1. and one. Rutgers won again. Rutgers is bowl eligible. They are 6-2. and two. I don't feel as bad about losing that, losing that game because, one, we were never really in it. We kind of came back there for a minute. But Rutgers is kind of for real. They're, they're a solid team. And I mentioned already LSU laying waste to the U.S. Army. Ouch. Uh, AP poll. Let's do it. Let me get my slide up here. One second. All right. Here is the AP top 25 after week eight. Iowa is out. JMU is in. You'll see JMU right there at number 25. 7-0. They got a big win against Marshall last Thursday. And they host ODU for first place in the Sunbelt East, Saturday in primetime on ESPNU. Yes, ODU is 3-1 and one in the Sunbelt right now. And even if they lose this game, they could still go to the championship game because JMU is not eligible. So that's going to be a fun one on Saturday night. Six ranked teams lost this past weekend, but only two of those losses were to unranked teams. That was, of course, UVA over UNC and Minnesota over Iowa. There is no change to the top six, despite some some survival survival games. They're all unbeaten, and Air Force stays unbeaten as well. You'll see them at number 19, just ahead of Duke at 20. Texas is the top one-loss team in the poll, followed by Oregon and Alabama. And Penn State moves just behind those teams at number 10 after their loss. USC still in the top 25. I don't think they should be ranked. I don't think they will be ranked at the end of the year. I think they could end up with four losses, maybe five losses. But their two losses currently are to quality teams, so of course the pollsters still leave them in there. Rob and I are going to talk a little bit more. Well, we're going to talk about the Syracuse game in our show tomorrow night, but let's go to that possibility of an ACC championship game appearance for the Hokies. And I Yes, it is a long shot. Let's caveat it with that first. But the one-loss teams in the ACC, here they are. Louisville, UNC, Duke, and Virginia Tech. That's four one-loss teams. We have the easiest schedule left of any of those one-loss teams, according to the FPI. UNC has the toughest schedule remaining of those one-loss teams. They play Duke on 11-11. Clemson and NC State. I mean, that they could lose two or all three of those games. UNC and NC, we saw UNC fade down the stretch last year after they were 9-0. We could have a similar thing happen this year. Duke plays Louisville in the upcoming week, this upcoming weekend, and then UNC on 11-11, I mentioned. Louisville plays Duke, Virginia Tech, UVA, and at Miami. So we're t- look at l- listen to those one-loss teams and the schedules they have to go up against. Our toughest game is Louisville, another team we're competing against. And yes, on the road at Louisville, that would be a tough game for Virginia Tech to win. But the other four games for us are extremely winnable. And so, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Virginia Tech. It depends on what odds I could get. But if you're just asking me, are they going to make the ACC title game right now, today, on 10-23? No, I don't think they're making the ACC title game. But do they have a shot? They absolutely do. These other teams, we all play each other. And the other, UNC, Duke, Louisville, 
they all play each other more than than us. We only have one game against those teams, and that's Louisville. And the the rest of them, I mean, Louisville's got the second easiest schedule, but they got to go to Miami. So I read it off. I don't have to go through it again, but I am so intrigued as to how this plays out. And I'm not even going to count Miami out of this because they've got two losses, uh, and, and but they just beat Clemson. They play Louisville at home. They could have a shot too because most likely, most likely the team that goes to the ACC title game to play Florida State is going to have two conference losses. That would be my guess. And if that team has two conference losses, that probably means there's another team with two conference losses and that team won on a tiebreaker. So this is going to get a little crazy and they'll – I'm still ha- so happy UVA beat UNC because it creates so many more scenarios. And I just love the, the chaos. Someone tweeted at me the other day, like you can take the divisions out of the ACC, but you can't take out coastal chaos and, and you cannot. And that was a great way to put it. All right, let's move to my playoff four. Give me one second. And you'll notice a new team in my playoff four. That's right. Oregon comes in at number four. They pop in. And yes, I know they lost to Washington last week. They have, they have a loss already. I took out a one loss Alabama and I put in a one loss Oregon and I will explain why. Bama just looks too susceptible to me to have them in here, whether it's to LSU in a couple weeks or it's to Georgia in the SEC title game. I don't think Bama can run the table anymore. And so I had to take them out because that would give them two losses. They also have to play Alabama also play at or at sorry at Auburn at the end of the year. We know the Iron Bowl is coming up. So I think LSU now could run the table and win the SEC. But LSU already has two losses. So if LSU beats Bama, gives them a second loss, Georgia, Georgia's not out of the woods here, man. They they've got some games. Like they got they got Mizzou. Uh, who else do they have? I don't need to go through Georgia's schedule right now. But the whole point being. I think LSU could run the table and win the SEC. And if that happens, I'm not sure an SEC team gets in. I know that sounds blasphemous, but like, look at what the SEC has done this year. It's, it is not, it's not the best conference. I think the PAC 12 is the best conference followed by the big 10. Although the big 10 is extremely top heavy. Those are three very good teams at the top. So I, it just felt like, I think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. I think they're going to beat Washington in a rematch. And I think they are going to have a great strength of schedule and they're going to go to the playoff. That's my belief today. Now, that could get blown up this weekend when Oregon goes to Utah. And yeah, I just put them in my playoff four and I know they have to go to the hardest place to win in college football in Rice-Eccles. Nevertheless, that's what I'm going with. I'm I'm calling the shot now, I guess, that, that Oregon is going to beat Utah in that game. They're going to win the Pac-12, and they're going to make the playoff. So my playoff four is, if you're listening, Michigan one, Oklahoma two, because I was, I was happy with the way they survived, and Texas continues to look shaky. Ewer's shoulder is banged up. I think FSU is probably going undefeated. They're number three. So I'm, I'm essentially calling for Michigan, Oklahoma, and Florida State to go undefeated. Oklahoma goes to Kansas this week. And so who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? This exercise is so challenging every week. I never know what to do. It's so challenging to the point that I don't have an SEC team in here. 
So uh, you go, you go yourself and try to do this. It is very hard, but it's Michigan, Oklahoma, Florida State, and Oregon is my playoff for right now. Oh, now let's let's take that off the screen. I'll give you my other sponsor of the show, which is Compass Coffee. I got it right here in my cup. College Football Monday is brought to you by Compass Coffee. 16 locations in D.C. and V.A. You guys got to hit them up. You don't need Starbucks. You just got to hit up Compass because that's the go-to Compass Joe in the nation's capital. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DEEPVT. That's 2DEEPVT, all one word. So go to their site or download the Compass Coffee app and load up your cart. Even if you don't live near D.C., they'll ship it right to your door. Compass Coffee, great coffee doesn't have to be complicated. Week nine games. We got Syracuse coming to Virginia Tech on Thursday night. I cannot wait. I'm leaving on Wednesday afternoon. I got my orange on right now. I'm actually burning up down here in my basement with this Sherpa hoodie on. But I'm pumped. Virginia Tech, three-point favorites in the game. I, I feel good. I feel good. Me and Robbie will go over it in detail before you'll get that podcast probably Wednesday morning. Cocktail party, Georgia at Florida. Well, not at, we know it's in Jacksonville. 14 and a half point underdogs are the Gators. Kind of like those Gators. Those Gators are just outside. This was very close to being a top 25 matchup. JMU got the number 25 slot. It easily could have been Florida. They're five and two. And I'm very curious to see what happens in the cocktail party, especially with Brock Bowers being banged up. That's 3.30 on CBS. Tune into the cocktail party. Oklahoma goes to Kansas. Mention that. Kansas, 10-point underdogs in a nooner. Could get interesting. Oregon at Utah. Utah, six-and-a-half-point home dogs. Home dogs. That's largely due to their quarterback play, but it is so hard to doubt the Utes against the spread at Rice-Eccles. So I'll be watching that one for sure. Duke at Louisville. Louisville, four-point favorites at home. Tulane is going to try to be Beatrice. That's right. Tulane is playing at Rice. Rice, 11 and a half point underdogs in that one. And Tulane, they, they had a rough one against North Texas. I'm not sure exactly what was going on there, but Tulane survived and they are still in the top 25. Oregon goes to Arizona. Maybe the, maybe uh, we're Arizona podcast here on the college football Monday. Three and a half point underdogs. That's a close line. Oregon State. They've been very good. They've exceeded my expectations to this point. DJU, a tremendous QBR on the season. He's playing well. But going to Arizona right now, no Fafita playing well. I think Arizona could hold serve and and cover that home dog spread at three and a half. And then ODU at JMU. The battle for G5 supremacy in the state of Virginia, maybe just supremacy in the state of Virginia, although we did manage to beat ODU. So uh, we'll see what happens with JMU. 17 and a half point favorites. That's a lot. That's a lot. I know JMU has been crushing everyone, but that's a lot. So anyway, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Thank you if you hopped in to watch with me. Clark, thank you for the comment. Much appreciated. I cannot wait for Syracuse. Me and Rob will be previewing it. And then I will be down in Blacksburg with some of the Suns. We're going to be doing some coverage. It's going to be a great couple days. I cannot wait. And until next time, go Hokies.